Hello, good afternoon. Hi. It's Graham Cove with my music, and I am joined by the wonderful Angeline Morrison today. Hello, thanks for joining me Hello, all Graham. the way Thank from you your little corner of the room, which is showing some pink. We were just talking about pink, and I was saying you mustn't paint prison walls pink because it incites uh, violence within people. But we both personally love the the wonderful pink colour. Um, mm. Before we go any further and talk. We're now going to have a quick word in the form of a video from our sponsor, which involves a lot of pink, you'll be pleased to know. There we are. Get that message out. Got to support independent music. I did notice, because uh, it's only the second time I've actually watched that video all the way through, did notice that midway through, a man threw a guitar into a swimming pool in a fit of anger. So maybe pink wasn't a great colour after all for, for, for them. You know. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe don't take it out on the guitars. Yeah, please don't do that, because they do actually cost quite a lot of money. Mm. Now, that, let's start there. Um, in terms of musical instruments, yeah, I'm guessing you play a, a fair few of them. Is that right? Yeah, I do. I like, I like, to, I like to, I like the variety of um, being able to make a lot of different sounds, um, live and in my recordings. So I play uh, auto harp, double bass, um, mountain dulcimer, guitar, a few other things. And, and some of those instruments aren't instruments that you can just go. I know I'm going to have lessons in that, and, and <laughs> it's not—it's not the sort of, you know, <laughs> it's not the sort of thing, is it? And auto harp. Oh, I'll go to school one day and go. Please, please, miss. Are there are there auto harp lessons? So, where, where do you go to learn, or do you, do you just teach yourself and sort of like, you know, in this day and age, do you do you YouTube it, or do you do you find books that help you learn that? Or YouTube is a fantastic resource. And and really, if you're the kind of person who's just really curious about instruments, which I've always been since I was really little, I would find an instrument and see it as um, as a toy, really, as something to to be played with rather than being played. So you know, it took me a while to figure out stuff like technique and, and all those all this good stuff that um, that's useful to have as a musician. But I I always I tend to begin by playing around with an instrument and finding my way through it, which isn't yeah. always the conventional way. And then for fine tuning, I will often um, have lessons on YouTube. Yeah. So does that does that then impact the way that you actually write music as well? Because if you're the kind of person that you know sort of just wants to see what an instrument can do, and sort of you know, oh, what happens if I put my hand there and do this? Then <laughs> you, you know, you you find sounds in a way, don't you? And then does it does it sort of then lead to like, well, I, I really like the way that feels with that, or look or, or looks with. Or, I know that sounds funny way of saying it, but looks with that 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 kind of feels the right way with that. 
and then and then you know you go well actually i'm going to keep that in a song because that that sounds good mm. yeah I, I i agree completely with that i love to find sounds and, and that was actually a really good description of at least part of my songwriting process um but yes i definitely do love that kind of happy accident that happens when you're and you're playing with an instrument and exploring and seeing, I wonder what will happen if I yeah. use this combination of notes or whatever. And, and yeah, often, uh, quite often, I will get something really good out of that, maybe the beginning of a verse, or maybe uh, maybe I'll get a middle eight, or maybe I'll get some, some sort of a, a melodic figure that goes throughout, ends up going throughout the song and, you know, defining it in some way. But yeah, I do, that, that process of play is really important, I think, in... in now I do like to ask on this program I do like to try and find out where it all started for you so you know did you grow up in a musical home was there was there music in the walls growing up um I grew up in a, in a home where there was lots of singing um, and I didn't realize until I was quite a lot older that that's quite unusual that most people don't just go around singing the whole time, which is something that I do. I don't realise I'm doing doesn't that. that doesn't that happen everywhere? Oh, right, okay. Because we're, so, we're in a house where everybody sings. Really, you know? that's absolutely, that's wonderful. I, I remember when um, a friend came round to stay the weekend and um, and he was really shocked because he said, he said, I've just been, sta- I was just standing on your stairs and there was a different song coming from like four different areas of your house and everybody was singing. And I said, yeah. why, why is that shocking? But um, but my friends had never experienced anything like that. It didn't happen in their family, and it seems that yeah, I don't, I don't know if this is the norm. Maybe it is the norm. Maybe uh, maybe I've just got the wrong the wrong idea about it. But I I honestly believe that it's not. I don't think it is. I think a lot of households. I it's my, been my experience as well. A lot of households when you go into them are quite quiet, and you're almost waiting for what you know that they, they look for the excuse to put some noise on and and for, for me in a way that's one of the can be one of the issues in terms of how people absorb music if you like is that you know we now have the ability to just talk to a dot in the corner and suddenly sound comes out of it but there's no necessarily you know choice in there of actually physically getting something out and going putting it in so in a way it, it's just we're, we're lit although i think we're listening to a lot more music i wonder how much of it's actually getting listened to or whether it's just getting heard if you know what i mean did, mm. did you have a sense of that yeah that's that's a really interesting question and whilst you were talking i thought i must um, ask you to define what you mean by music yeah. How would you define music? Uh, well, I I define I I define music as I think there's a lot of music that people put on that they're not actually intending to interact with in any way. Um, and I, I guess you know over the years people have probably talked about sort of music. For, you know in in public spaces like elevators or, or you know mm. uh, you know if you if you go into a shopping mall or something there's there's something in the background and it's not necessarily one thing or another but i think we are making music even good music into music by not giving it any kind of time not actually giving it any kind of listening space um and just <laughs> 
filling our day filling our spaces or filling our days with it without actually you know knowing what it is I mean, it's, a, it's a little bit like some sometimes how people read books i personally can't do it i don't know about you but when i read a book i will know what i've read afterwards yeah. but my wife reads about 40 of these <laughs> books uh, a month and you know and i'll say well what ha what happened in that one oh well kind of this happened and this happened but it'd be like two things from the book and i was like is that all that happened in the book i can't really remember any of the detail it's like because you know i just read it like that to to get through it whereas you know i uh, maybe it's because i'm geeky but i i just read sort of autobiographies and whatever people and by the time i finished i kind of feel like i've inhabited part of that person's life for mm. for, for the last few weeks so i you know it has an emotional resonance with me. And I, and, and that's what I'm saying. I, I don't think that all music has a resonance with anybody. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's really interesting because maybe it does, but the resonance depends on the listener and the context. And, and I just have to say, respect and kudos to your wife. 40 bucks a month. Yeah, well, I think she must be because we have five kids in a busy household and she works full time. So, I mean, it's, you know, how, okay, how def she definitely does superhuman then really yeah yes. she yeah like, she clearly praise and kudos um what was i going to say yeah you, you raised so many important points though i was just thinking i want to talk about those of these things with you while you're here but um the the music thing so whilst you were explaining your definition of music which i understand to be correct if I'm wrong, the kind of sounds that people will play in their house just so that there's a bit of something covering the silence and they're yes. not necessarily going to really immerse themselves in that music or in the emotions and the feelings or in the lyrics or in the sounds of them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So in that way, it's a little bit like when you go into the supermarket and they like that gorgeous fragrance of freshly baked bread and cake at you to make you go to the bread island. Is, it, is that the kind of thing? Yeah, it's exactly that sort of thing. Okay, yeah. So, so I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. And also... I feel like, as a songwriter, I feel like there's always something for everybody. So people, there are certain people who are really skilled in writing kind of um, the kinds of songs which will, which will get, you know, millions and millions of, of downloads and sales. Um, and they're really good at doing that. And they're very skillful and they've learned techniques. And there are other songwriters who naturally write this kind of material. And you can tell the difference in the music. If somebody's naturally writes that kind of material rather, rather than kind of using techniques that they've learned, I feel anyway, this is my personal opinion, there's more of a kind of a soulful energy to that sound. It feels yeah. more authentic. Um, and uh, I don't know if what I'm saying is a bit controversial, but that's my that's my feeling about, about songs and about music too. So the music that doesn't move me at all, that I can take or leave, that for me is kind of the equivalent of whatever colour the walls are painted, I don't even really notice it. Um, for somebody else, that would be music that really resonates with them on a soul level, that speaks that, to them in some that, really meaningful way about their life. That you is, that, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think that's absolutely true. Um, I, I think I think there may be exceptions to the rule. I, I could probably name some now, but it would be, it'd be unfair. But, you know, there are some songs where the lyrics were probably... 
Um, yeah, well, they, they probably appeal to a three-year-old anyway. I, now, you're you're a clever lady. I mean, you, you've got a you've got a, PhD, <laughs> you, you've got a you've got a PhD. So, I mean, it, it, in terms of in terms of when you when you're writing, are you is part of that for you uh, an academic search still as well? If you're if no, you no, no, there's none 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 of it is kind of like I want to you know I, i'm i'm interested in the research aspect of this okay, i love i love research i never stop being interested in the research and yeah. also in terms of i'm jumping the gun a bit here because i don't know what you were going to ask me about but if you're going to ask about the sorrow songs and the research for that project that's ongoing so i i wrote i wrote the album so that um i wrote the album whilst i was still in in the process of seeking out what might be traces of the historic black presence in these islands in the folk songs and i'm still yeah. doing that you see i'm still i'm still in the process of doing it so that's yeah. never going to end but it isn't an academic process as such because but there's a research for me process. it's from my yeah as a research yeah. process but it's from my heart and soul and wanting to honor ancestors and it's really very far from any kind of academic stuff that i've that i so was there any particular reason why you undertook to do that particular album when you undertook to do it yeah um the the atmosphere around the murder of george floyd actually was was the was the catalyst for, for many things for huge um changes in in the kinds of conversations people have in the kinds of issues that people think about um, and a lot of creative work as well I think was inspired by that. Um, I, I was inspired to reread um, The Souls of Black Folk by W.E.B. Du Bois which is a, a classic of African American literature of the 20th century um, published in, in the um, early 1900s and, um, and Du Bois really loved music and uses a lot of musical metaphors in the novel and um, chapter 14 is called Of the Sorrow Songs right? and it's all about the traditions of folk song amongst um, the enslaved African populations and their descendants and how vitally important this body of folk song is for these people and how it, it really it kind of holds a cultural history it's, um, it's a place where identity can be um, can be sort of reinforced um, and also very importantly songs can songs can communicate about really unspeakable things like levels of pain that, that you can barely even put into words you can put yeah. that into song and, and those songs might then communicate that to other people might in, a, in, a, in a way that it. yeah that words wouldn't necessarily do mm. and i totally get that were you aware that at the same sort of time that you were that you were writing that that around the world there were other artists in a way doing a similar thing trying to capture maybe some history that was lost i i, I spoke to another artist um not not that long ago at all on this program who's uh has had to escape 
for the time being, the Ukraine to come over to Ireland. Um, and she's actually trying to get hold of recordings from uh, old babushkas out there to get original Ukraine folk songs to set them to music. Are you aware that there's kind of a, you know, a, 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 I'm not saying a lot of people are doing it, but a, a, a global kind of look by artists to try and reconnect with the past, to, to bring truths out, which might make truth, you know, truths stand out now. And, you know, it, would you be would you be interested in sort of meeting with other artists and seeing if there's like a, a global voice to that as well? Definitely. I, I, and I think that um, I love the sound of, um, of that project about Ukrainian folk songs. I absolutely love it. So I'm going to ask you about that later if you're able to give. I'm going to I'm going to connect. I'm going to connect you with that artist. Absolutely. Thank you. I would love that so much. But yeah, you know. I, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm aware about that, and I think also that it's 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 really time for this to happen because even I think even if I had released this album maybe three years ago, there would have been a lot less interest because of what's happened in the world, and mm -hmm. I think so that I think this is a case where world events are inspiring artists all over all over the world. To, to do similar things to reclaim lost histories because yeah. um, because more people are now um, potentially listening to that and potentially interested in it. Now you worked with the wonderful Eliza on yeah. this album in terms of production. She's been on here as well and you, you know what she's like. She's uh, a lady that speaks her mind. She's she's she a, is she's, she is amazing. I can't wait to meet her. Like we've done all this work together, and we haven't met in real life. But I'm, oh, you've not met her yet. Well, there you go. Not yet, but I, we will do very soon because I'm supporting Eliza and the restitution at Celtic Connections on the 30th of January from the last oh, gig. So I'm so go. excited about that. Well, uh, listen, if you're both ever down this way, because you know this is her kind of second home down here, it, um, because we have the Sigma Folk Festival, which she's played many a time down here. If you ever if, if you find yourself down in Sigma, do let us know. Um, you know, there you go. We'll all get together. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of in terms of getting her involved, what what was what did she kind of bring to the party? Um, I was it was really amazing working with Eliza. I, I couldn't have imagined at all that that uh, that. I would be working with somebody so so iconic and brilliant and who's such a lovely person as well. So when I I applied to the Arts Council for some funding because you know it's expensive making an album. Yeah. Finding time to research it and all of that. So I was I'd never I'd never got funding before in my life from the Arts Council, but amazingly I got it this time. So due thanks to them and it was brilliant. So i in my original application it was going to be self-released. Um and I was I, I usually I usually do everything DIY. Um, I'm a DIY independent artist normally, and um, this album was going to be exactly the same. I, you know, I know how things work. I know kind of what I need to do at what time, and how much um, how much things are likely to cost, and so on. Um, so my original application was all kind of based around that. And then during during lockdown, I got into, somebody recommended the Clubhouse app, which I'd never heard of. So I was kind of messing around with Clubhouse and I saw that there are some folk rooms in Clubhouse. Um, and so I started attending these folk rooms um, on Wednesday. Oh, um, we have a guest. Yeah, hello. Hello, can I help? Um, 
Okay, cool. Thank you. She took the bins out. Excellent. Well done. This this is the kind of show where you get that. Okay. She going to take my bins out too. That is that, that professional. I've got yeah. sweets. There's oh, I'm sure that that would do it. Yeah, you you don't get any other kind of music show broadcast in the world where you get people telling you whether the bins have been taken out. Sorry, I, we interrupted. To, I think to that's do great. Keeping it real. I am. It's very important to keep it real. Oh, yes, Eliza. So um, one of the folk rooms is run by Piers Crawley, a phenomenal ballad singer. And then um, the other one that I went to was run by Eliza Carthy. And I thought, well, not both of Eliza Carthy's folk room. It was just lovely, such a really friendly atmosphere, equivalent to what you get when you go to a folk club in real life. You know, everyone's, they're friendly places, aren't they? So people could go there. They're accepting, you know, friendly, warm, generally lovely places so this was going on in the folk room and I began to sing there were kind of sing around you know sort of the online equivalent of the folk club and so everybody would mute and, and turn and give everyone a chance to sing something and I um, every so often I would sing one of my new sort of demo compositions of one of the sorrow songs and um and I wanted to know what people thought you know and I said you must tell me what you really think because this is really this is really important for the project, and I'll briefly explain what it was about. And um, everyone was so positive and so warm. And I know that you know they were, they were being real; they weren't just saying that. And Eliza was particularly positive and warm, and she was quite moved by the concept. And she actually offered she offered to produce the album. So I, I wasn't you know, I wasn't sure I could believe her at first, but she she really meant it, and. I, no, that's not an offer that you can turn down, is it? How amazing is that that Eliza Coffey offers to produce her album? So that's how it ha that's how it began, and um, and she brought um, she brought those phenomenal string arrangements that you hear throughout. Yeah. She plays on it. She also um, sings uh, backing vocals on some of them. She was responsible for my dream come true of the fact that Martin Carthy appears on the album playing the role. Um, of a vicar at the funeral of Evaristo Machavela, who um, is a formerly enslaved man who was buried in the same grave as his former master in Wendering in Cornwall. And when I went to, to visit the grave and pay my respects, I read the inscription in the gravestone, which is a poem which became the um, opening and closing of the song and, and, and the refrain. Um, and it's, it's just a short four line poem here. Here lie the master and the slave, side by side within one day. Distinction is lost and past is all. The slave is now a slave no more. Uh, I know. So powerful. It's I've got so, to sing it. so, so emotional, isn't it? Mm, I, it's really emotional. But I heard, I heard Martin Carthy's voice in my head reciting those words as I read them and boasting. Yeah. And I thought, if only, because I, um, I knew that he had an acting background, and I'd, I'd heard the Larkwise CD um, from the, a show that, that lots of the folk stars in the 70s did. They brought the book Larkwise to Candleford to the stage. So I knew that, that Martin Carthy had been an actor and had all these other talents as well. And um, I just thought, I wonder, but I put it to the back of my mind. I hadn't even met Eliza at that point. So it really was just, a, just a, a, one of those dreams that you really enjoy thinking it's never going to happen. And it did. Mm. And Eliza's always been a really big advocate of 
diversity and inclusion in, in that respect so, yeah. as well. Yeah. So, I mean, did, did she say anything to you whilst you were while you were making the album in terms of why this was? She saw this as so important. She was. She was just really encouraging about the whole issue all the way through. She she believes as strongly as I do in in the diversification of um, folk music and the folk scene and in, in the kind of a more um, more real, I guess, reflection of of um, of history, including the areas which have been hidden or airbrushed out. Yeah. And that's so so important. Mm. That that really is so important. Is there a place where you um, would really love to perform this album because it Do would mean a lot? <laughs> it, it, it's really. This is another another. There have been many dreams come true for me with this album, and my biggest dream is to perform it at Cecil Sharp House because um, because that is the absolute sort of beating heart of of folk music in, in England, isn't it? And yeah. it's the kind of you know, everybody recognizes and accepts Cecil Sharp House as the, the sort of official home, if you like, of English folk music. It's the home of the Warren Williams Memorial Library. And also Cecil Sharp himself is known um to have made some how can I put this politely extremely problematic Remarks in his personal diaries on um, on the issues of race. So it was. So it was, that again was another reason why I wanted us to inhabit mm. the building with these songs and with this very culturally diverse band that I put together as well. Um, and so, so when when we were able to um, to book that gig, which was actually the first one that we booked, because um, because Katie Spicer, the head of um, left us, was so. Um, encouraging and really supportive about the project and actually I did also receive a bit of funding from them too um, and for the research phase which was really vital so it was almost like we were bringing the harvest home by performing there it felt really felt really emotional and it was amazing because it was almost full the, the, we played in in, in, um, in the big space uh, I almost, I almost feel that, that Bristol should be a place as well, just because of everything that went on for there. Similar reasons, yeah. For the yeah. Yeah, 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 we did play in Bristol actually. And we played at the Wardrobe Theatre in Bristol, but I'm guessing the, um, the building that was formerly known as Colston Hall. I mean, sorry, I can't remember what it's called now. It's very bad of me. Sorry, Bristolians, forgive me. Um, but that would have been the place to play, wouldn't it? I think it. Perhaps I think it's cool. there. I think it's called the Equal Arts Centre or something. Now it is. It, it has a it has a diverse name now, which is rather nice. Okay, cool. I so, like that. But yeah, it'd be really nice to bring the show there. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't mm. it? Wouldn't it just? So, so where do you go next after this? I mean, you said this is an ongoing, continuous project, and and yeah. you, you know, uh, hearing some of your earlier work, you've got several voices. You, you're not. You're not just a a folk singer you've got several voices in there so yeah where 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 do you go next in terms of creation do do you do you stick down the folk line or do you do you try and expand the folk line you know I mean, a, a little bit like people like the unfanks for example who are you mm -hmm. know perhaps trying to 
um, bring in other sounds to, to to play within the sort of folk arena. I love the unconscious. Um, I've I've always been I've, I've been I've been a folk singer and I've been a lover of folk music since childhood. So that's really one of my earliest, along with soul and Jamaican music. Um, that's one of my earliest kind of musical blueprints, and I will always be loyal to that. My, the next album that I'm going to record um, is going to be in the in the kind of in my usual sort of dark folk, psych folk, weird with a Y folk, ontological kind of style, which the Sorrow Songs is a departure from. I specifically wanted that album, wanted the sound of that album to be much less niche because mm. I wanted people to hear the songs and I really want people to sing them. And that's another area where Eliza really helped in terms of the production and the conversations that we had around that and some new ideas that she had because it was just really, really important for me that that album had as wide a reach as, as possible in terms of listeners. And I would love it, I would love for people to sing those songs and remember those characters because it seems to me that in all cultures all over the world, the people that we remember, um, they have songs about them. Like even you know, people like Dick Turpin, who apparently wasn't a hero, he's um, <laughs> kind of an anti-hero and not a very nice person. But, you know, we've got songs about him and, and we remember him. We think of how, how very many like petty criminals there were on the highways, and that's the one we remember by name because oh. there's a, there's there's these songs about him. So I would I would love it if these black ancestors who lived in the UK would um, could be remembered through through my songs. And also it was in terms of the sound of the album as well. It was very important for me to to do what, as far as I'm aware, hasn't been done at least at least in terms of an album length piece of work in um, English folk or UK folk, and that's to make um, to make work about the historic black presence that relies on the kind of sonic template of um, sort of the English folk traditions very broadly. Um, mm. And the point that, that I'm making with that is that we belong here. Yeah. I deliberately didn't want to bring in any kind of you know, African sounds or the, the kind of those kinds of things because I specifically wanted to make but no, we belong here historically, and actually, everybody has come here from somewhere. Everyone who's here, it's quite interesting. Yeah, it's quite interesting how many musicians are, are of caliber are, are entering into sort of like the cultural space, and by that, I mean you know, music's always been involved in culture, but you know, are, are entering into sort of the, the you know, maybe sort of grant based. Uh, or, or, or council-based funded, you know, art space where they're they're investigating culture and bringing a bringing back something that might have been lost with with that. I spoke to um, uh, uh, Aziz Ibrahim, um, who was briefly with the Stone Roses uh, as a guitarist. I spoke to Aziz but, too. I wanted oh, to do right. an album, but he was—he wasn't available. Okay. But we had a lovely chat, though. Yeah, he's a lovely guy, 
isn't he? I mean, he's, he's, he's so done a few. Like he's done a few events with me, and and you know, but he's doing some stuff up in Lancashire, isn't he? With like some of the mills and and looking at that, yeah. and you know, even like trying to preserve, if you like, spaces which which will get lost. Um, and it, you know, and that's why I suppose when I said academic, I suppose to some extent you are involved in providing what could be academic material in a way for the future generations yeah. i wonder what you mean by do you, do you mean uh, specifically for use by sort of people who work in universities is that what you mean by or, or yeah for for people that need to like understand the culture of a specific time or understand where you know what lives were really like you know for for, for people at these specific times i think actually these pieces of music act as much as a historic document as they do uh or a reference point as they do a wonderful piece of art i think that's well, fair you. to say thank you very yeah. much i hope so i hope you do yeah so, so that's lovely now listen slightly to one side but i have to ask it because you've done it and uh, and i just imagine it must be the most surreal experience ever but what was it like doing jules holland um i mean is it as surreal as it looks well i mean it was it's really difficult to describe because it's every musician's dream come true isn't it but it's mm. just uh it's up there and i certainly never for a moment had any reason to think it was going to be anything more than a than a dream in my life so it was i was kind of going around you know, the way, do, you, um, do you spend the rest of the time whilst you're there and when you're not performing just l l listening to everybody else in the room and and no. looking at everybody no okay we isolated <laughs> well, so we were isolated. are you no that was okay. that, that sounds all wrong we had a, a really we had a really nice um kind of communal area for all musicians and then each each musician or band had their own dressing room so I had a dressing room with my name on it, and it said my name, and then later with Jules Holland, so obviously that's on the wall. And I had a lovely dressing room, and I like, hung up my choice of frocks, and I was you know, thinking about that all day. And there were these two absolutely gorgeous women, one who did my um, makeup and hair, um, and I tried to do my own makeup, and then I ran in and said, please fix me, fix my face for the cameras, and she did. Um, and then another lovely lady who um, steamed and ironed my dress, and um, I met all the other musicians, and it was a really, it was a fantastic atmosphere. It was just real, like, and we, you know, we were kind of like colleagues in the office, office kind of canteen. Yeah. You know, that was sort of what it was like. But we'd go down individually, um, for like lighting checks, sound checks, and those kinds of things throughout the day. So you don't hear the others until recording right. happens. So I was, so I arrived in the morning, and the recording happened at about about eight o'clock, and there was a live audience as well. So it was really, really, really exciting. Um, so exciting and when I look when I watch the footage back it's on YouTube and when I watch it back I can see my hands shaking um, I probably shouldn't have said that because some of my friends I told them and I said oh yeah I couldn't see your hands shaking it's fine but totally done. I was, you you know it's shaking yeah you, felt, no, felt you just know yeah. but it was yeah. wonderful it's one of the one of the most um, amazing experiences I've had in a real a real high point in my life actually it was lovely, and I met Jules Holland himself, and he was so welcoming and generous and kind, and he called me over by name. And um, 
I kind of did a bit of a double take thinking, and he told me um he told me that he loved the album. So and, and, lovely and, when day, really. and when he says that you know that he genuinely means it and he's actually listened to oh, it as well right yeah, and what an amazing yeah well sir, apart from jules because that's a that's a given right because who wouldn't uh want jules to play on their album but uh, apart from that was there anyone else there on the day that you 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 thought okay i'd love to i'd love to do something with this person oh wow um so many. <laughs> All of them. It was, it was a great episode, though, wasn't it? Everybody yeah. thought it was brilliant. It was a fantastic episode. Um, and actually, I hadn't heard the work of Ray before, which was soul singer, an amazing guy. So it was, it was wonderful to get an introduction to Ray's music. Um, and I had a little chat about collecting with Paul Heaton um, on the stairs. So that was it was just lovely. It was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful experience. And then. Um, to my sister and brother-in-law's house and beach. Oh, it sounds it like was you just had, lush. It was so lush. had the most amazing day. And then you woke up the next morning, went downstairs, made a cup of tea and went, did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> That's not so far from the truth. No, I'm still buzzing. I'm still buzzing now, really, when I think about it. Yeah. So 2023, will, will we see new music from you in 2023 or, or, or do we have to wait a little while for, for, for that to realise? Um, well, I'm, I'm definitely recording some new music this this year because um, I've had it in my head for quite a while and it's starting to hurt now. It needs to come out. Um, whether it will be released this year, I don't know yet. You can't um, so fight it. Space. You can't fight it, can you? It's very important not to dam up the creativity. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you here. ever? I have to ask. Do you ever suffer from not being able to write, or is it? Is yeah. It, doesn't everybody suffer from that? Well, I think that's normal. I think. I think so. It's. It's. That's the problem, isn't it? Writer's mm. block is a problem when you. You're stuck because you can't write on a given day. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, some people have given some great advice. On that over the years um like tom york always says that he paints for example if he can't if he can't write he yeah, yeah, take up a paintbrush and paint which i think you know that's sensible do something else that artistic that just leads you forward but doesn't necessarily mm. mean that you're doing that that thing that you've got stuck on um, i like that and then yeah. it just it just pours a sort of a healing balm over the yeah. Hogs and wheels, doesn't it? Well, I, 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 I do this sort of thing. But I, I write as well for people all day long. And, you know, for me, if, if, if I kind of, people go, well, how do you think of ideas all of the time? And you just go, well, you're living, aren't you? You know? And for me, I think that's, that's what it's about, isn't it? You know, maybe, maybe sometimes if, if in the process you get stuck for a minute, that the thing to do is just remember that you're actually alive and that, you know, life is the inspiration. So you just need to go out the door and, and do something, you know, and then the inspiration will hit you because, you know, you've only supermarkets are a great place. I don't know whether you found that, but you just got to inhabit a supermarket, which is like a surreal little world in itself or service stations. Um, either of those two for five minutes and I'm completely inspired again. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. And also buses or trains. 
buses and trains. Here on buses or trains. Yeah, the stuff that people make up. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe there's a great life itself is the inspiration. I think you should. Um, there's room in this for you to have um, a YouTube channel or a TikTok or something, and to be like the inspiration guru. Do you think so? I think so, yeah. I, okay. Well, may, maybe I should be inspired to do that within the new year. I, I don't know. Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Um, it's been an absolute honour for me. me too. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you for coming along. Thank you for um, being so gracious when my uh, my little assistant came to, to tell me about the bins. How, how I lovely! Love your little assistant. It's so sweet. How lovely! How lovely of her to have done that as well, because it's oh, actually yeah. quite muddy outside, um, and she's she's obviously got Don's coat and boots to do all of that, which is which is. Wonderful. Also, taking out the bins is really my least favourite job. So, um, well, impressed. I I you know in she this house we're we're a big house. Did you grow up in a big house? Not really. You said there was singing in the house. Said, yeah. There, there, yeah. Are, there are a full complement of seven people in this house. Wow. Which, yeah, you know, so it's, it's it like, must be fun. It's, it's almost an octave, isn't it? And, and, and you know, <laughs> and that, therefore, you know, it's, uh, it can be quite noisy at times. It can, it can be good, but you know, it's a team. That's, that's the mm. thing, isn't it? When you, when you've got a good family, you've got a team and you work, yes. to, you work together to, to make everything happen. Angeline, it's been, as I say, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been good to hear a bit about your music today. No doubt we will speak again in the future. I'd love that. Um, I next time so. you I would really love that. Got some, got some new music. Um, let's let's get you on again to talk about it. And don't forget, if you're in the Southwest, do let me know. I must come along and see you. And, oh, I live uh, in the Southwest yeah. too. Sorry? I live in the southwest. So oh, where do you, where do you live? I didn't even know that. This is this is the joy of the interweb, isn't it? Is that everybody connects to each other via these little hubs, and nobody actually understands where anybody lives. So where, where is it <laughs> without giving the um, game away? I live in Cornwall. You're living. Yeah, you live in Cornwall. Yeah, I do. That's that's a lovely lovely part of the country. Um, and it. this this is the part of the country that everyone goes through in order to get to Cornwall. <laughs> so whenever they say where's chard and people go oh that's on the way to cornwall <laughs> it literally is because it's on it's on like a main road from london through to cornwall and so people kind of just stop off here uh to but they they never stay uh, that's a shame. station oh well yeah and that angeline it's been a pleasure um until next time, this has been Graham Cave with another My Music. Thank you for watching, everyone.